Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting case interview and management consulting podcast series. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about McKinsey Digital, but I'm going to add to some of the, or at least I'm going to analyze this a little bit differently from the article we have on firmsconsulting.com. So if you go to firmsconsulting.com, that's F-I-R-M-S-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com, and you look in our quarterly blog section for an article called McKinsey Digital, we cover in a significant amount of detail what is McKinsey Digital, how is it structured as a function and as a loose collective, why is it structured in this way, what does it mean if you're in digital, what kind of work will you do, how should you apply to McKinsey Digital, what are the roles available, is it a genderless or a specialist path, How do you navigate into the firm and so on? So we cover all of that in a lot of detail. And for a limited time offer, if you for free register on the site, opt in, we will send you some advanced preview episodes of some of the content we have available to our advanced members called FC Insiders. But I don't want to repeat what's in the article because it's a good article, but here I'm going to add to what's in the article and present a different way to think about McKinsey Digital. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to summarize one of the questions posed to me. And the question posed to me is that to a client who wrote in, to him it seems that McKinsey Digital is less prestigious than the old McKinsey BTO, than McKinsey Corporate Finance, than McKinsey Strategy, than McKinsey Organizational Practice, and so on. And maybe true. Some way I'm going to answer the question. And I'm going to answer it in a way that's unusual because it's going to condense or boil down the points being made. I'm not going to look at why there are differences. That's covered in the article in a lot of detail, and it's much longer than I can explain here. But I'm going to look at it from a macro level in terms of what you see and why you see what you see, and how it's going to change over time. When you look at McKinsey Digital, you're effectively seeing, well, you're effectively seeing three brands. You're seeing McKinsey, which is one brand, and you're seeing Digital, which is one brand, and you're seeing McKinsey Digital, which is one brand. Now, when you see the word McKinsey, Let's assume McKinsey's brand is worth 10. 10 being the most it can be worth. And 10 is a high number. It means it's a very prestigious brand, very, you know, uh, well-regarded. And McKinsey is a very valuable brand. I read somewhere that um, last year McKinsey had something like 800,000 or 700,000 applications for something like, what, 2,000 maybe jobs. That's a valuable brand, right? I can't remember the numbers for BCG, but it was not too far behind, right? It was something, it may have even been bigger. But anyway, the point is that big numbers, powerful brand. Then you have digital, which is new. It's new, but the mere fact that it is new means it hasn't had time to generate any brand value because we don't even know what it does. It's new. It's finding its way. It hasn't had a time to to generate much impact. And even if it has done tremendously important and valuable work, we haven't had time for any of that to get into the press and for CEOs to say, you know, we hired McKinsey five years ago in digital and they totally transformed our practice and put us on this path to glory, riches and whatever, you know, wonderful praise they want to sing. So the mere fact that it's young means its brand value is automatically much, much more diluted. And the fact that it is in a new area, an area that no one, people talk about digital, but it's really a new young area that we don't even know what digital is. Anyway, in the world, we're still figuring it out, means that it's diluted even further. So you've got McKinsey, which is worth 10, and then you've got digital, which is worth maybe two. And when you weighted, it's not a straight average because, you know, 
you can't straight average them, but when you weight them out, maybe the, the overall brand value of McKinsey Digital comes out to something like a four, right? Now, when you look at McKinsey Digital, there is no way someone looking outside in is going to know the inner mechanics of McKinsey Digital. You, just, you can't know who the clients are. You can't know the way it works. You can't know the work that it's doing. Even if you have a friend who works at McKinsey, tells you what work they are doing. If you don't work at McKinsey, you don't know if that's normal. You don't know if this is prestigious or not prestigious. You don't know if this is like what the corporate finance practice does. Your friend may tell you it's the same, but again, the friend telling you what work McKinsey does contributes to the brand value of McKinsey Digital. If you have a friend who had a 3.6 GPA out of 4.0 at his school, who wasn't that good, didn't do very well, and he joined McKinsey Digital, the mere fact that he got in and he's the one telling you the story is going to bring down the value of McKinsey Digital. On the other hand, you had a friend who was top of his class, got into every prestigious firm he wanted to, but chose to join McKinsey Digital. He's recounting his exploits at McKinsey Digital. The brand value is going to go up a little bit. So you can see here, brand value is driven by the brand value of McKinsey, the brand value of digital, the brand value of the person who is explaining to you what McKinsey Digital does. The brand value of the people you know who worked with McKinsey Digital. And you can see it's highly localized. If you are relying heavily on what your friends tell you work at McKinsey and BCG, you are relying very heavily on people you know, which is driven by people around you. So your brand perception of McKinsey Digital is going to be largely driven by people you know. If you live in San Francisco, it's going to be driven by people who live in San Francisco. Which means if you have a friend in London and he's telling you what amazing job McKinsey Digital is doing, you're going to think, what's wrong with this guy? Everyone has told me it's bad. But you don't, the thing as humans, we don't compensate for, for our sources of information by saying, well, I live in San Francisco. I'm getting news from San Francisco. I'm getting news from friends that I actually have a low value, a low opinion of. We don't do that. We just say, I heard this. It's like looking at Yelp reviews, Right. I mean, I've stopped looking at Yelp reviews because the people that have the time and the inclination to post a review on Yelp are probably not like me. I don't do those things. I never post reviews. So I don't even bother about a review. Some of the places that have received terrible reviews, when I go there, I love it. Why? Because the audience that posts the review is looking for different things from me. The only time a review makes sense is if that the audience is exactly like me and looking for the same things like me and weighing them. So if, if they are like me, they're going to value the same things. But if they are like me, but they are looking for different things in this particular restaurant, then their views are not going to mean anything. But when you, when you go to a restaurant, you weigh off several things, the food, the wait time, the servers, many things. And then you have to give a score at the end, which is a weighted average of all those things. So for the score to be meaningful to me, I've got to be reading a review that's written by people similar to me, looking for the same things in the restaurant as me, and creating a weighted average that the same, that's the same as me. So if I go with five friends to a restaurant and I say, hey, you know what, let's, let's, wait, let's score this restaurant on food, or the wait time, the service, and ambience. And we all have the same scores. 10 for the first one, 2, 2, 7. And then we have to give a final score by 40 divided by 4 to give a 10, or whatever it is. I think Yelp is out of 5, I think, right? So it's it's 40 divided by um, 8, I think, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's by 8 to get a score of 5. Now, they may all just add them up and divide them by 8. 
But some of us may decide to weigh some sections more. We may decide that food is the most important thing. So food should make up 80% of the score. So you can see here why perception matters severely to the way you interpret a brand. And this is the problem McKinsey Digital faces. It's new, automatically discounted. Because it's unknown, automatically discounted. Because not a lot has been written about it. Now, a lot has been written about it in sort of the, the in real-time press about McKinsey launching these things. But we don't have stories about, you know, we don't pick up a book by Bill Madisoni whereby he talks about the McKinsey digital director who did these amazing things. These legacy stories or folk stories or cultural touch points play a role in shaping our thinking. The reason we revere McKinsey's strategy so much is because you can go to a 1986 article by Fortune talking about a McKinsey strategy partner. The Mind of a, what's it called? The Mind of a Strategist by Kenichi Oma was written by a McKinsey strategy guy. All those touchstones, we don't, we don't realize it, but whenever we see amazing book sold 20 million copies by a McKinsey strategy partner, in our mind we think McKinsey strategy is extremely powerful. McKinsey Digital is too young to have those things yet. It doesn't mean it's weak. It just doesn't have them. You've got to wait 10 years, maybe five years for these touchstones to seep into media, into the business press. And those things influence us whether or not we realize it. So even if you never hear anything good about McKinsey's strategy, you know it's good because of all these things you've read previously. But McKinsey Digital suffers from this vacuum, right? Now, I'm going to give you an analogy, uh, and this is covered in Bill Madisoni's book. Excellent book. I mean, uh, we've worked closely with Bill to get that book out. It's amazing. It's the first time a McKinsey partner has ever published his memoir to the public. And it explains strategy better than just about anyone else has I've ever seen do it. And I would always recommend that if you work at BCG Bain and Deloitte and Strategy and at any level, you should read this book because it explains McKinsey's strategy People always say McKinsey doesn't have a strategy. Even people within McKinsey say that, but that's not true. McKinsey has a strategy, and it's a very clear strategy. But, but you should read that book if you want to know how to distinguish yourself against them. Now, the example I'm going to give you here is that when um, Paul talks about the time he met Tom Peters, when he was in the organizational practice at McKinsey, which was a new practice, and it wasn't a very highly regarded practice. Now, Tom Peters, for those of you who don't know, went on to write one of the greatest books of all time in business, which is In Search of Excellence. Many of us call it a strategy book, but here's the thing. This is the point I'm trying to make. When something is new, then when McKinsey creates something that's new, we don't assume it's part of McKinsey. We always go to a lot of trouble to distinguish that it is different. So, for example, when, when the organizational design practice was created and Tom Peters was part of that practice, it was a new practice. And we went through a lot of trouble to distinguish it from the rest of McKinsey. Oh, yeah, the guy belongs to organizational, the organizational practice. He's not part of McKinsey. He's not part of the traditional strategy side. And then what did the guy do? And he wrote the biggest, most successful book in business. At least one of them, right? Now, when you look at the book In Search of Excellence, and you talk about Tom Peters, no one calls him an organizational practice partner, do they? They call him a strategy partner. Why is that? Here's the thing about how the mind works. When something becomes successful and something has a big impact, we automatically assume it's strategy, even if it's not strategy. No one talks about the organizational design practice in McKinsey. If I talked to you about joining the organizational practice at McKinsey, you'd think twice, you'd say, nah, I want to work at strategy. But then if I told you, would you want to do the work Tom Peters did? Do you want to do the work that led to the thinking in search of excellence? You'd say, yeah, I want to do that. Because I left out the word organization. 
All you saw is something successful and you want to be a part of it. The same thing is going to happen to digital. As digital starts generating enormous successes, and they are doing good work. I mean, they're going to make mistakes like everyone else. That's part of consulting trial and error. But, but as they do enormously successful, enormously critical work that changes the world, as they publish books that, I mean, there's eventually someone in digital is going to publish a book that's going to change our thinking about strategy because it's about thinking in the digital economy. It's not going to be about digital. It's going to be about this is the way businesses need to operate. This is, the, this is how strategy needs to be done. It's not going to be called digital, but it's a strategy book about how to navigate digital. But because everything is digital, there's no point in calling it digital. We're going to start calling that strategy. And after a while, no one's going to care that it's part of digital. McKinsey may not even have the digital practice because everything's going to be digital. So my point here is that when you look at McKinsey Digital today, there's nothing bad about it. People always tell me, Michael, but it doesn't seem to have the prestige. Yes, because it's new. As I pointed out, anything new is never going to have the prestige. Anything that doesn't have those cultural touchstones of a 1986 article by Fortune, a 1982 article by Business Week, anything that doesn't have all those cultural touch points just doesn't have the brand. But it doesn't mean it's not getting there. So what's the future of McKinsey Digital? It's a bright future. It's McKinsey, basically. So if you are debating whether to join McKinsey Digital or not, it's not even a point of debate for me. It's exciting. Do it. Don't worry about prestige and so on. That comes with time. There's a famous saying that, you know, how do you know someone has class? They have a lot of money. It may be a joke, but it's true. You know, if you have quirks and you're poor, they put you in a mental hospital. If you have quirks and you're rich, they write books about you, about your eclectic taste in the New York Times magazine. My point is that success makes you prestigious. And as long as McKinsey Digital continues to be as successful as they have been, and they'll obviously get better at it with time, then they'll just become prestigious and you won't even notice and don't, you won't even care that you want to work for them because they are McKinsey. In fact, when they become successful, people stop referring to them as McKinsey Digital because they'll think that this is just McKinsey and start calling them McKinsey. The same way I don't think anyone that I've ever met ever told me they wanted to join McKinsey Organizational, but they do a lot of organizational work and just call it McKinsey. I have a lot of clients who do work in McKinsey Corporate Finance and just call it McKinsey. A lot of friends who do work in, in McKinsey Marketing call it McKinsey Strategy. I mean, it's just called strategy. The point is strategy is a loose term that's applied to anything that is successfully done at McKinsey, even though it's a separate practice, but the way people use it is different from its practice delineation and focus. So if you are, you know, deep in thought about this and not sure, I would put, I would sweep aside all those concerns and join McKinsey Digital. As McKinsey Digital does what it always does, it's not going to matter in the long term, it's just going to be a very successful, very highly valued brand that's just going to be McKinsey. Now, if you have any questions or comments, and you may have them, what I would recommend is that you post a comment in iTunes. One, tell us what we've done well so we know to keep doing it. If you like certain analogies we've done here, or certain examples or certain ways of looking at things, tell us you like it and where you'd like to see more of it. If you have a question, also post it in comments as well, and then we will respond to them in another podcast episode. Take care. Ciao.